it felt so vague, like it felt so much about an idea or a feeling and not about a concrete story that you could pin it on that I just didn't, I felt like I got the feeling within the first half of the movie and then the second half was just like unnecessary. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 499 with a review of Gemini. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, um, this is actually a film that came to a theater near you a week or two ago. <laughs> I, I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, basically, I mean, some, some housekeeping at the beginning of this episode. Um, Stephen and I are currently in New York getting ready to check out uh, the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, last week in San Francisco, where we both reside, uh, we saw a bunch of films at the San Francisco Film Festival. And uh, we also have a review <laughs> that will be entering the feed before this Gemini review uh, for the Netflix original series. Happy anniversary. Basically, our schedule is really weird right now. I apologize profusely, but there will be a lot of content coming to the feed very shortly. Let's be honest, way more than anyone is going to want to listen to. (laughs) That is true, but there will be a lot of things to check out. Um, You guys can kind of look up the films that we're going to be talking about, and uh, it'll be up to you what episodes you want to listen to, Uh, but there will be a lot of there's a lot of content coming to the feed to make up for like the week and a half to two weeks it's been since we published a review of Ready Player One. Um, but uh, yeah, we thank you for your patience uh, while we were waiting to get these episodes out. And uh, just know that we're hopefully off having fun watching a lot of films and recording a lot of things for you guys to listen to. So uh, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Steven? I'm doing good. I, I feel good. This is our uh, second night in our apartment here in New York. Feels cozy. I feel <laughs> I feel ready. This is basically two weeks devoted to working during the afternoon, but otherwise watching movies and recording episodes and nothing else. So I, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It, it. It's nice. After like a pretty hectic few weeks, it's nice to finally have time to devote just to this. Yeah, yeah. So this should be fun, but uh, we're going to get started and we're going to listen to the trailer for Gemini and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. Sorry to bother you. I'm a big fan of Heather's. You're her assistant, right? Yeah. I just, I had to come up and say hello. Heather, right here. Heather, Heather, right here. Hey, Heather. Yeah. How's the love life? I've got nothing to tell you, Sam. Get alcohol at your place. Why are we here? You have a gun, right? I feel like there's so many crazy people who are mad at me right now. You know how to shoot a gun? How many movies have I shot guns in? Two. You know how you were saying you don't feel safe? I feel like that all the time. Ask you. What do you have to ask me? 
You remember things, am I right? I think you might remember things more than most people. Think back. What is the last thing you saw in this house? Did she ever threaten you? Or... No, she didn't threaten me. Because I've heard stories about movie stars. Or... Am I under arrest? Not yet. Motive, opportunity, capacity. You two were like freaking best friends. People like that kill each other all the time. Are you following me? I'm asking you to be careful. You might not think something's important in them. Bingo. It's the key to the whole thing. So the film Gemini is the story of uh, two friends, one of which is an actress in Hollywood, and one of them is uh, her, her assistant. And uh, basically, one morning, the assistant wakes up to find her actress friend uh, dead, and uh, the police suspect that maybe she might be at fault, as she's the only one who saw her right before she died, and she kind of goes about trying to piece together what happened to the friend, and uh, yeah, that is the setup for Gemini, mm. Stephen Miller. What did you think of this film? So, uh, before watching this movie, Alamo was airing a some sort of pre-screening thing for like the 10 minutes leading up to it of films that inspired this movie uh, or the genre that the film is in, which they call Neon Noir. Uh, and they gave a bunch of examples. I think it was like Taxi Driver, Nightcrawler, Spring Breakers. I would add good time to that list. It. It, it's a sort of movie that is very, it has this romantic view of like a night drive as some kind of eerie thing with lights flickering in the background. And it is all style and no substance like that. That is clearly the genre that this movie is playing into. And I, I loved the ambiance of this movie. I, I love the style of this movie. It's I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I like I love movies that have loud soundtracks you know cue nicholas winning reffin um <laughs> i love movies that take their time i like movies that live in this kind of hazy in between where you never quite know what they're getting at and it isn't too plot heavy it's all very i i love what this movie tried to do a lot and i think it nailed the style that it was going for i am going to pull an inner christopher schnazy <laughs> and say that the plot and character development was so thin to non-existent in this movie that I don't fully get what it was going for. I feel like this movie, it built up like two very interesting characters and it built up a, a central mystery that was exciting and compelling and didn't need a lot for it to pay off. Like, because again, this is a mood building film and that that's all I really wanted from it. But it does so little to even like, remotely pay itself off that when the movie ended i was thinking like is that it isn't there like <laughs> 25 or 30 minutes left of this where they're gonna wrap it all in something a little bit more clever or something more satisfying i don't know there there's something very odd like there, there are twists in this movie but they aren't really twisty at all it's just like things happening and then vanishing in the film and you know i loved me inherent vice for instance which is a movie where nothing important plot wise happens <laughs> at all which is a movie i finally saw last year and did not enjoy yeah yeah chris didn't <laughs> love it but but i loved it uh, and th the whole 
I'm realizing this is a Thomas Pinchon thing now. I'm reading another one of his books on the plane, The Crying Lot of G, and all of them are like this, where it's just like a zany mystery is unfolding and it doesn't matter whatsoever. The thing is, this movie isn't zany. Like, this movie is actually very simple. It's trying to elicit themes of, like, the the feeling of maybe being framed for something, the feeling of celebrity and feeling unsafe in your own skin. Um it, it it's wrestling with like very simple things and I feel like it just does so little with it. I I would have either wanted it to be like a one hour or less episode of a TV show or I would have wanted it to be packed in a bow that maybe it took a little bit more time developing. I just think that if I try to write in bullet points what happens in this movie, I'm I'm coming up blank <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> there There's the murder, which we're all aware of. It's in the trailer. There is some amount of time learning things that may or may not matter in any way. And then there's the fizzle at the end. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it has the LA intrigue that I loved from um, Nightcrawler, for instance, like it has plenty of stuff to recommend it, but I just, it, it's a weird movie to me. I don't, I don't really understand what the filmmaker was going for. Yeah. So uh, this was my, when, when we saw this film together getting ready to review it um, two weeks ago or whatever it was, uh, that was actually my second time seeing the film. I saw the film last year at Alamo Draft House Fantastic Fest uh, programming week, whatever they did, um, and uh, you know I saw it then, and I I enjoyed it for the style. I enjoyed it for like the mood and the atmosphere, um, but it definitely left me wanting. Mm-hmm. And you know, watching the trailer repeatedly <laughs> as we saw things at Alamo Draft House, getting ready for its like main theatrical release. Um, I kind of got re-excited to see it because, like, I mean, I I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but, like, when I listen back to the trailers while I'm editing the episodes each time, the trailer, like, re-hypes me for the film I've already watched. It, it happened with Ready Player One, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, that trailer four for Ready Player One is so freaking good. And it's like every time I, I get back to the edit and I listen to that trailer, I'm like, it just reminds me of everything I liked about a film and helps me get past the things I didn't like about it. Because it's reducing the mood and the feeling of the film back to it. So getting ready to see this film, I I was excited for it because I was like, look, the first time in, as Steven said, typical schnazy fashion, I was building to something while watching the film that it ultimately um, let me down on. And I thought that maybe the second time around, because I knew the whole story and I wasn't trying to guess where it was going, that maybe I could just enjoy it for what it was. And unlike other films where, like, repeated viewing increases my love for the film, the repeated viewing of this made it seem even more stilted than I remember feeling walking out of the theater the first time. I think that um, the character... I love the characters in this film, like, all of them, (laughs) right? They all have something to kind of... Uh, uh, to grab onto and to kind of enjoy the journey those characters are going on. I like the actors and actresses. Like, I, I, I like the people in this film, but I think that, like, outside of the setup for the story, it's not that exciting what they go through. And the reality of what happened does not make me... Um, it, it doesn't bring a lot to it. Um, when I saw this film originally, Stephen was actually supposed to go with me. Mm-hmm. I went with somebody else. I knew you'd bring that up. <laughs> I said I was sorry, Chris. No, no, Stephen had to work or something. I don't remember what it was. But basically, Stephen didn't go to the showing. I brought somebody else with me who happened to be the person that I saw Neon Demon with. Um, Neon Demon is a story about how the modeling world um, can like basically take somebody who's 
level-headed and 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 happy with where they are and just like literally chew them up and spit them out and kind of just like what it's like to be that um this film gemini is sort of about how being in the public eye can take a toll on who you are as a person but outside of a very few moments like say the intro and the outro of this movie it doesn't feel like it wants to comment enough on what that is and it the, the i mean they're both published by neon <laughs> they they both have that like literal neon color palette and like glowing kind of like thing they're both set in la like the, the both films do they cover similar subject matter and they cover similar moods and tones um but i mean neon demons fucking amazing film and this move this film is just enjoyable like i i, I still liked it the second time mm-hmm. mostly because of the characters um but i think that it's I feel like it didn't really reach that high. It wanted to tell a simple story with a lot of style, and I think it successfully told that simple story with a lot of style. Um, but I feel like if you give this a less exciting soundtrack, you take away some of the magic of what this film has, right? Not that the soundtrack is the world's best. It's just that it has a, a, a mood and a tone that makes you feel... Um, I don't know. There, there's something about the film that like is is I liked watching it. But by the time it ends, you feel like... Cool. If this was like an episode of a show, I would have been like, "That was a, that was a fine episode." But like as a as a film, you wonder why we were taken on this journey, and mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't doesn't do the most to kind of like pay off that journey. Right, and I, and I think so. A few things you said resonated with me. One is like it, it's funny because almost every movie so far that you've watched a second time, there has been this fact which maybe there's something you appreciate differently, but almost always the second viewing doesn't make you like it more than the first one. <laughs> Um, in, in this case, I think a second viewing can really help for films that have things to reveal to you, right? Yeah. Like little stylistic decisions or little plot beats or tiny moments that mean more when you like see them coming. Yeah. Um, and w- what is interesting about this movie is I feel like it is one tone. I, I don't feel like this is a movie where from scene to scene things are building and changing in a way where if I rewatched it, I was going to like learn something new that I didn't catch the first time around. Yeah. Um, I, I love the characters too, but I don't they're doing something very particular. It kind of reminded me of Death Proof, like the the Tarantino contribution to Grindhouse, if you remember that. Oh, I where, remember that because I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I loved it too, but the the acting in a movie like that is very stilted and exploit exploitative, right? It it's like yeah, yeah. characters, you know, female characters are driving and they're talking in this kind of moody soulful way that human beings don't actually talk in and it's because it's just trying to telegraph something um in in this movie it's telegraphing their relationship and like it's telling you very specifically things about celebrity that the film has no interest in showing you but it's just telling you by virtue of them having this kind of hazy conversation while they're driving around uh nighttime la and like that's all fine but i don't feel like it's layered right I, i don't i don't feel like there's when I look back at the relationship between Lola Kirk and Zoe Kravitz in this movie, I see what is in the IMDb synopsis. Like, I don't see anything more interesting than that in their dynamic, really. I see, like, this is the personal assistant. This is the celebrity. She's a celebrity because you told us she is. She's the assistant because you showed us she is. And now they're having... There's a friendship on display that I kind of like, but it doesn't give us a lot of it because the movie's very the events of the movie happen very quickly and then that relationship goes away and what we're left with is just this kind of meandering thing through the streets yeah. of LA. 
the what the film does do well though is it is it does establish not not motive necessarily but like there's a lot of people who hate uh Zoe Kravitz's character right mm-hmm. not like necessarily just in life but because she is this star that a lot of other people are counting on all the time in an industry where like the success or failure of the next project could mean the end of their career, right? Like, everybody's counting on her, and she's just this, like, sort of stuck-up, and I want to do it type of character, right? And I think that there is a level of... There are people that are obsessed with her. There are people that hate her. There are people that she used to be involved with. there's 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 enough going on that there's at least threads to follow that could be interesting in a story where like a character is trying to prove her own innocence but i mean in this story like she is tangentially like related to the murder in that she slept there that night Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and now she's not there and it's like but she's never arrested in the story right she's just being uh asked questions by john cho right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's kind of like there there is sort of a this isn't a film where like uh, Liam Neeson is yelling, I didn't kill my wife, and like trying to right. like run around and hide from somebody. Um, it's a story where, like, yeah, it's, it's a story where this person is sort of a suspect, but hasn't been arrested. No one's really coming after her, but she's trying to find out what happens more for her than to prove her own innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the- well, I don't know about that though, because they're. There are interactions between her and John Cho partway through this movie that seem to suggest that she is a primary suspect and very, very, very shortly will have to worry about what is going to happen to her. Potentially. But I mean, there's a line in the trailer where she's like, am I under arrest? And he's like, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, like, I love John Cho. But, like, I wanted more of him just being super awesome detective guy. I don't think he was given anything to do in this movie, actually. He wasn't. Like, his, his present, his just appearance is all he was asked to do. And I, I think it, like, genuinely, I think it, it lends something to it. Because he just has a way of carrying himself that, like, I find very, like, um, it's like a mix of authoritative mixed with, like, charm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, like, I really liked his presence. And, you know, like, by the time we get to the end of the film, there's, like, a sense of, like, him not really needing to solve this case for anybody other than his own curiosity. Right. Like Right. I just feel like even that, I, I think the, the coda on the film that involves him is like the peak of something that is telegraphed, but not shown at all in the movie. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And and a lot of this, it just feels kind of like bullet points to me. I don't know. For instance, the closest this movie gets to describing the toxic feeling of being a celebrity and having so many people out there with eyes on you who want something from you or hate you for unknown reasons is in this paparazzi character that shows up a few times throughout the movie. Yeah. And he's obnoxious. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he doesn't give us anything to understand. I don't even know, like, at what level of celebrity the Zoe Kravitz character is supposed to be. The movie never really tells me that. It doesn't tell me what she's known for beyond, like, an encounter early on in the diner that they're sitting in. It doesn't tell me what kind of fan she would have. It's all just very sketched out. Obviously, she'd have Insta fans. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And I'm sure it's intentional. Like, I'm sure that sketching is because they don't want you to get bogged down in the details. They want it to be a mood piece. She's not supposed to be a specific person. She's, Mm -hmm. like, the idea of a person. Yeah. Um, So it's... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There there was just something about all of it that... It felt so vague. Like, it felt so much about an idea or a feeling and not about a concrete story that you could pin it on that I just didn't... 
I felt like I got the feeling within the first half of the movie, and then the second half was just like unnecessary. It, it doesn't help that in true me style, I called the twist ending <laughs> very, very, very early <laughs> on in the film. Not that it was hiding it that much, but, it, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just don't get, I, I don't really get what the movie was setting out to do. I, I like it. I would love it as a short. I would love it in a lot of other contexts, but I just don't get it here. The main thing I walked away really liking is uh, Nelson Franklin, the guy from Veep, who's oh, in this movie so as the director. He's, <laughs> Motive, opportunity. Yeah. He he's perfect. He's my favorite thing in the movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I I wish that his uh, quippiness was throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know the characters have have interesting enough dialogue, but it's it does definitely feel like somebody trying to write for that quippy dialogue mm-hmm. rather than somebody just being quippy. But his character is is the one who like feels correct. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Like I I loved like that scene is the best scene in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> by far. <laughs> Cool. Uh, <laughs> any last thoughts on the film? Not really. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I'm negative on it. I had a fine time watching this movie, and it, it is in my wheelhouse. Like, I'm usually the last person to care about the point or care about what character development or plot happened. Like, yeah. if the movie hits that that ambient tone and knows how to roll with it, I'm usually happy. There was just something. Something about this one felt emptier than I'm used to. Like, there's a degree of empty that I learned I'm not okay with yeah. in this movie. And, and as I said before, like, that degree of emptiness gets doubled when you watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. Because you're not trying to follow. You know where it's going. And you're like, oh, it was really just go here, go here, and then movie's over. Yeah. Like, there's even, like, the first time I watched it, I understood the decision the lead makes like to to go to the destination she goes to at the end of the film. Like I understood mm-hmm. it then. When I rewatched it, I couldn't follow the thread of how she got there. Like it was just one of those things where I was like, "You just suddenly decided to go there." Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, there's a sense in this movie too where it's kind of like a uh, a reverse Love Simon, where <laughs> every person in this movie could be the hypothetical perpetrator okay. yeah, of yeah. the crime. And the movie is just watching her climb through hypothetical perpetrators until she winds up at her destination. So, and none of those pay off after the other. Like, once the next one is queued up, it doesn't matter what she thought before. None of that is going to get a bow, bow tied on top of it. They're just, like, discrete scenes with discrete characters. And I don't know. There, there's just something about it that feels very episodic in a, in a kind of odd way. So, so af- after, the, after she talks to the guy from Veep... Does she write a list of names on a napkin and then investigate them one by one? Or is this a different movie that I'm remembering? <laughs> I think it's a different movie you're remembering. Okay. Because I feel like that is exactly what this movie is, right? She is like, the, it, it should be the movie where she is like, I have a list of people who it could be and mm-hmm. I need to cross them off one by one. And in the course of trying to talk to each of these people, I put myself in situations that are questionable, right? That's the movie that would have been great. Um, mm-hmm. But instead, it's like, well, I just think it's this person. <laughs> Let me see if it's that person. Oh, now I know what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, should we get to verdicts? Sure. Okay. So, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, a reckon of the caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? God, this is why I never know how to calibrate our ratings. Because there's, a, there's like an eternity between rental and must-see. <laughs> um I like I think this movie has merit. I think 
the style of this movie is enough to propel it and it isn't that long it isn't like it wears out its welcome or anything it's just like it isn't doing that much and i feel like it could have without that much effort done what it needed to do I don't, I'm, i'll give it a recommend with a caveat i guess just because the style is cool enough but this isn't the sort of movie i'm effusive about it isn't the sort of movie that i would like be telling everyone to go check out i think given the tone that it strikes it like surprisingly chooses to do very little with the remaining screen time that it has yeah. but 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 it's good like if, if you're a fan of this style i think you'll enjoy it i just found it very lacking uh, I, I think this is the definition of a Netflix recommends algorithm film that you are like flipping through with your remote and you're like, oh, that poster looks cool. And then you watch the movie and you're like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to give this a wait for rental. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there you go. That is our review of Gemini. Um, this will be the last numbered review for a little while. Review of uh, 499. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Hopefully you enjoyed the numbers reviewed from from here for the foreseeable few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to have a bunch of uh, reviews that are just designated as uh, related to the film festival that we saw them at. Yeah. <laughs> so get ready for that. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast uh, over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, um, it is available on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or you can like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can uh, use the contact form on our site. Uh, we still are running that listener survey over at thespoilerwarning.com slash survey for people who want to let us know how you found us and uh, how long you've been listening. That'd be very helpful. Um, thank you to everybody who has responded to that. It's been great kind of reading uh, the messages that yeah. people have been leaving as to how they found us and how long ago they found us. Um, Shout out to the one person who played your game on the App Store. Uh, yes, <laughs> Not te- your game, your, uh, your tool game for Munchkin. My, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Munchkin app. Um, uh, you are awesome. Thank you for listening. Um, but I mean, all of our listeners are awesome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that that was a very... I, I got very excited when I read that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is this episode. We're going to take off and we're going to go review basically until we get tired. Yep. <laughs> a few more reviews from the San Francisco Film Festival. And this is like one of those charity drives where like we're going to do as many reviews as we can until we fall asleep. Only nobody's giving us anything and nobody's there's no good cause. They're, they're, they're giving us moral support and the good cause is just people listening to us because mm-hmm. otherwise we're just spitting to the ether. Yeah. And uh, uh, but yeah, so thank you all for listening and we will uh, see you momentarily. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>